0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the GenJ podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Heffington, and this show is brought to you by your friends at Generation Joshua. As we travel around the country working with young leaders, we meet all sorts of amazing people who are working to change their corner of the world for the better. If you've ever been to one of our iGovern camps, you've probably heard from some of these people. But we thought that it would be awesome if we could sit down for some in-depth conversations and get their stories on the record so that we could share them with the greater J community. This podcast is the culmination of that process. And we think that you're going to find these conversations encouraging and inspiring. So go ahead, pop in your headphones, connect to your Bluetooth speaker, whatever you gotta do, and let's get into today's episode. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Genj Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Heffington, and I'm here with today's guest, who is uh, a very special guest that some of you may be familiar with through iGovern and other uh, Gen J opportunities, but it's Wendy Wright. She's the president of Christian Freedom International. She's a longtime advocate for religious freedom across the world, and she's a pro-life hero. So uh, we are super grateful to have Wendy on the show today. Um, She has agreed to join us kind of last minute as we talk about uh, the recent Supreme Court Case that just had oral arguments, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization. It's a huge pro-life case. Uh, Wendy, thanks for being here today. Oh
1: gosh, I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much.
0: Oh man, it's this was this is uh, going to be a great uh, a great chat, and I think really helpful for our uh, audience. Um, I did want to before we jump into the specifics of the case, if you could just give us a recap of what your background is in the pro-life movement. A lot of our Gen Z audience knows you. You've spoken at camp. You've done super kind things to, to, to get out to Gen J events. Uh, but there's a few who just listen to the podcast and they've never heard of you or, the, or never met you before. Mm-hmm. So what's your background, your kind of life story, whatever you care to share. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'll try to keep it a little short. Um, so I became a Christian when I was 16 years old and, uh, soon after that, I realized, uh, realized, what abortion is. Mm-hmm. Um, and was just very convicted by it. But at that time, this goes way, 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 way back, uh, there really was not much we could do. The Supreme Court had tied the hands of yep. pro-lifers on what we could or couldn't do. They didn't allow us to pass any common sense restrictions or regulations on yep. abortion. And so for, um, gosh, the first 10 years that I was a Christian, I was pro-life. You know, I did things like... A young friend of mine ended up pregnant and so I was her labor coach and oh, wow. she and her baby lived with me when they got kicked out of their home and oh, wow. but I didn't you know I didn't consider that pro-life work. That's what you do as right. a Christian. Right. And um but then I heard about people who were doing sit-ins at abortion clinics mm-hmm. and it was styled after the civil rights movement, peaceful, nonviolent, yep. but placing yourself between the victim or of uh, the uh, the unborn child yeah. and the mother and the Murderer, the yep. abortionist. But by doing that, we would we were getting arrested. Mm-hmm. So I um I got involved because I uh, heard pastors who just went through the Bible and showed how clearly that uh unborn children are human beings of course i knew that anyways yeah. but this sense of that we are we're to care for the innocent innocent human life but then also all the biblical examples of civil disobedience mm-hmm. yeah um, that's true you know moses uh the hebrew midwives disobeyed yeah. the yeah. order from the pharaoh and yeah. allowed for moses to to live and um uh, uh, daniel who disobeyed yep. the orders so uh, we just have a rich history from the bible of standing up against Tyranny, especially hmm. when innocent life is at risk. So uh, it was at that point that I was I was very convinced that we needed to do what we can to help uh, save and rescue unborn children. Yeah. Uh, but what that meant was that I ended up getting arrested and thrown in jail and represented myself in court. I had no legal background. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so for me, I, I learned about the law, uh, about Roe versus Wade and about legislation by hands on engagement. Um and it was really very practical in that sense, uh, learning what, what are the kinds of things that, that matter how and how the law affects us, how bad judicial rulings yeah. affect us, and especially affect us as Christians. When we've been told by God we have clear biblical commandments on yeah. what we should be doing, and so what do you do when the government says the the opposite?
0: Mm, that's that's amazing and i've we had the privilege to know you for for years now and your story has inspired me multiple times but that's something i think that that is probably particularly reassuring to to maybe some of the people listening today which is you didn't have a legal background you, you, in a sense, I mean, it, some people would say, "Why on earth would you would you get yourself into a court situation if you don't know if you're not a lawyer?" But you believed in what in the cause. You yeah. believed in what you were called to do, and you were willing to go there. And, uh, you know, we we we're not probably don't have time to go through all the stories, but but God was faithful mm-hmm. and showed up time and time again in your story, so that you you weren't going in there as some rock star legal you know super lawyer. You were just. Going in there as a person who was like, I'm pretty sure this is what I'm called to do and I'm willing to take –
1: the yeah. consequences. And, you know, I, I really believe in God's providence yeah. and that he leads us. Oh, well, gosh, I believe it because I've seen it time yeah. and time again. And even at the times when I ended up in jail, there were divine appointments. Mm-hmm. There were people that I would meet, whether the guards or the other prisoners. And every step of the way, God had planned it ahead of time. Mm. And it was really kind of wonderful yeah. <laughs> to, to watch it just blossom just by knowing at that moment, this is the right thing to do. I don't know what's going to end up by doing it, but feeling confident that it was all in God's hands.
0: That's amazing. And now today, you're the president of Christian Freedom International. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of context for what you're doing right now?
1: So we help persecuted Christians. Remember those who are being mistreated as if you were mistreated uh, like them. Uh, And that's Hebrews 13. Uh, And we know that we will, as Christians, will be persecuted, Jesus said. Uh, If I'm persecuted, you will be too, as his followers. But he also expects us to um, stand up for one another, to protect one another, provide refuge and support and help. And so um, we uh, do work in a number of countries, and our work looks different in each country, depending on what the need is in that country and what we are even allowed or able to do. Because there are a lot of restrictions in other countries. Uh, So um, we do everything from providing immediate aid from food and food. And shelter, like shelter from those who are uh, escaping from persecution, yeah. uh, to uh, Bible training so that people will have a faith that can endure persecution, mm. uh, getting Bibles into wow. restrictive countries and areas, doing um, a, a sponsorship programs for like convert pastors. So, people who've left Islam or Buddhism and become uh, pastors and they don't have a base of support yeah, in these countries. Yeah. So we help to provide monthly support for them. So that's it's a real incredible. variety of things.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and, and and I've heard you speak before about some of the stories and the situations that you guys have been able to step into and really be the hands and feet of Christ and d- doing really important stuff that, that's helping, that's helping these people and in, 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 a surprising variety of situations. I don't know yeah. if you feel surprised by it, but when I hear everything you guys are doing, I'm like, whoa, you guys are doing doing, you know, all this stuff, there's stuff you can talk about, I'm sure there's stuff you can't talk about, and there's stuff that's just you're like you're everywhere doing everything so it's really cool if you guys are listening and you haven't checked out christian freedom international before is it what's the website is it christian 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 freedom.org christianfreedom.org there you go you heard it here folks go check out (laughs) christianfreedom.org well with that as the kind of the intro for this thank you for again for taking the time to be here and let's jump in to the the current situation um today the day we're recording this is a friday And uh, I'll be very uh, upfront with the audience because you guys, I think, like this kind of stuff. But um, the Supreme Court just heard the initial oral arguments for this case, Uh, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. It's the case that started in Mississippi, and it's moved its way all the way up to the Supreme Court, um, centering around a 15-week abortion ban, uh, but directly challenging things like Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood uh, versus Casey. The oral arguments happened this week. It's been followed for a long time. You guys listening may have heard about it. Uh, But then after the arguments, there were certain things that were just brought up in the discussion from both sides. And it's just such a key moment that I was like, we have to do a podcast about this. We We have to recap. And Wendy was one of the first people that came to mind. And she agreed to do it. In like a 24-hour turnaround, so that's that's rare. That's the kind of person that Wendy is. You know that most people are like, talk to my scheduler, I'll fit you in in two weeks. You know, uh,
1: gosh, Um, we're proving up to two-person staff. So well, you know
0: that that's that's still that means that there's you're wearing even more hats, so less less likely to to have the chance. So thank you. Um, Anyways, we're 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 jumping into this case. Uh, If there's any recap you would like to do from your perspective on the situation. Please do so. And then if you could tell me, I'd love to get your thoughts on what the significance of this moment is for the pro-life movement.
1: Gosh. So uh, it's, this started as a 15-week ban. Mm-hmm. uh and it morphed into a direct challenge to uh, roe versus Wade and the Casey decision yeah and uh uh it, it really it, it kind of caught me by surprise because I have not been engaged as much in the pro-life movement sure. now that I'm working more internationally yep and uh it, and it's I feel like it hasn't even really hit me yet the significance So this is huge yeah um so uh maybe a bit of a recap so roe versus Wade an extremely bad decision. Even Justice Ginsburg, who is hardcore Mm pro-abortion, feminist, she even said that Roe was a terrible decision. It was just decided wrong. It's not based in the Constitution. I I forget how far she went, but it's not based in the Constitution. Oh,
0: that's interesting. And
1: so it really did end up... corrupting the reputation of the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court was delving into something it really shouldn't be doing. It's into something that was political, into something that had been handled by the states. Family issues are state issues, Mm -hmm. not federal issues. Mm -hmm. And um, doing it in this very heavy handed way, because the case that was before the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade was about Texas's law. So it should have only applied to Texas. Sure. But instead, boom, the Supreme Court uh, uh, overturns the laws in all 50 states Mm -hmm. and um, uh, in a very heavy handed way. So it was, a, it was a shocking decision, although at the time people didn't realize it because most people are not very aware sure. of abortion. So then 20 years passes. The Casey decision comes along. People yeah. were expecting and really looked like Roe was going to be overturned at that point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a little background on Roe. Um, Justice Blackmun, who wrote it, uh, he— Devised this uh, trimester system. Okay. Where the breaking the pregnancy up into trimesters. Yep. So the first trimester, he said, the government, the state has no interest in unborn life. Okay. The state has, government has no right to put any kind of restrictions or regulations or anything at all, at all, um, on trying to protect that unborn child mm-hmm. or the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second trimester, the mo- the state has some interest, but yeah, you're st- your hands are still tied as, yeah. as a government. But then the third trimester, Oh yeah, the government has an interest in that life because the life can live outside the womb uh-huh. at that point, and, um, uh, and but could still only have an interest when the mother's health or life was at risk. Mm. Well, on the same day that Roe v.ersus Wade was handed down from the court, there was a companion case called Doe v.ersus Bolton that came mm-hmm. out of Georgia, and the significance of that is it defined health and life of the mother uh, so what does that mean right yeah, yeah yeah so defined it as so broadly that it meant anything the financial health the age of the woman what oh, does wow. that mean too young too old too middle-aged it didn't say right so it ended up being abortion on demand for all nine months yep. and so it um the that's one reason why the uh, uh states were handcuffed for 20 years anytime they tried to pass common sense regulations, Mm -hmm. parental notification. Shouldn't, shouldn't, if a minor girl is going to be taken to an abortion, shouldn't her parents know about it? No, no, the court said, you can't. But so Casey came along and it was the uh, law that came out of Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. that had five different restrictions. And What the court ended up doing was uh, upholding some and striking down some of the restrictions, but came up with this new dividing line. No no longer the trimester system, but viability. If the child, the unborn child is viable, can live outside the womb, then the state, the government has an interest and can put some uh, restrictions and regulations on it. But pre-viability, before that point, then no, Um, no, the state has no uh, interest. But one of the problems is, well, when is viability? Yeah. And so it's even been said that uh, that the Roe decision and and Casey was on a collision course with itself because science and medical advances keeps reducing the age of viability. Younger and younger unborn children are being born and living. And so so then uh, there have been a number of challenges since then. Actually, one thing that's significant, I don't don't hear anybody talking about this, that Casey did. Now, Casey was a terrible decision Mm -hmm. because it— uh, created an even deeper right to abortion. Okay, not just saying it's constitutional, but it's a fundamental right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but what it also did is it allowed the states to pass some regulations. Mm-hmm. Now it's um uh uh was really kind of left up to the states on a trial and error basis uh-huh. to figure out what will the Supreme Court decides okay and not okay. Right. So for. 20 years or so, or so there have been uh, parental notification, yep. uh, waiting periods before you can have an abortion, um, uh, informed consent. The woman needs to receive certain amount of information yep. before she can have an abortion. There are all these different regulations that were passed by the states, and one by one, they go up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would uphold some, and mm-hmm. then they'd uh, uh, strike some down. And yeah. um, A key case that happened in the 90s was the partial birth abortion ban.
0: Right. Okay. Sure.
1: So... Uh, gosh, Pete, I'm thinking your listeners might not even know what it, what that is.
0: Yeah.
1: One, it, There are some really significant things. One is that um, it, um, they, those are in favor of abortion. will often talk about it in very ethereal terms. A right. woman's right to choose, and it's about a decision, and yeah. they never talk about the concrete reality of, course. of this as a baby and taking the life of the baby. Yep. Well, this these bans that were being passed by states in the 90s, was directed at a certain abortion procedure in which the baby's late term, so can live outside the womb, the baby is extracted from the woman's body just to the point, it's feet first, just to the point until the the head is still inside the baby, Mm -hmm. but the rest of the body is outside of the womb. I'm sorry, the head is still inside the woman, but the rest of the baby is outside. And at that point then... And I, uh, it, um, I guess this is a warning for right. listeners that this gets a bit graphic, right. but the abortionist will then take a pair of scissors, stab the back of the baby's neck, open up that wound, and then insert a catheter and suck up the baby's brains. The head collapses, then they take, um extracts the baby fully outside the woman. So the argument was the baby's still inside the woman when the abortion procedure is being done. Um,
0: That's heartbreaking.
1: And so this was actually being done. This procedure was being done. And so these bans said this procedure would be illegal. And what it did is it really made uh, abortion concrete to the public. Yep. Here you have the legislation where the name of it – explained what it was mm-hmm. partial birth the baby's partially born yep. abortion and uh it really educated the public which was incredibly important in this whole process mm-hmm. to why we're at where we are now where Dobbs could happen because prior to all these 20 30 years of legislation being passed people didn't necessarily really understand what abortion was, but the pro-life movement has been very active in helping not only to pass legislation, but to educate the public Mm -hmm. because to have a law get, um, be enforced and get upheld, there's gotta be enough public support for it. Yep. So partial birth abortion ban was incredibly significant in the, in, 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 this, in this long journey. Um, in 2000, Nebraska had passed a ban it went to the Supreme Court and really quite shocking. The Supreme Court overturned the ban. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was saying, nope, you can't put any kind of restriction regulation on women's right to choose. Wow. And why that was significant, this now gets us into the politics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was a presidential year, year, a presidential campaign year.
0: Okay, right.
1: So, uh, George W. Bush versus Al Gore. Yep. And those two candidates were taking diametrically different positions. Yep. So George W. Bush was pro-life, Al Gore pro-abortion. Yep. He was in favor of these horrible abortion procedures. George w. w. Bush was against. Why it was significant in the presidential campaign is that now the public, those who are voting, realized yep. that the judges that these presidents choose impact our daily lives. Right. That helped to make the issue of judges Mm -hmm. incredibly important uh, in campaigns, election campaigns. And and then, so of course, George W. Bush won. uh, Then Congress passed a partial birth abortion ban. So this was now a federal law, not just state law. That went to the Supreme Court. By this time we had a few good judges, mm-hmm. a few more good judges mm-hmm. because of, we had a pro-life president, yep. and that uh, ban was upheld.
0: Okay, yep.
1: So um, I think it's this is Im- important for listeners to understand that it's kind of like with William Wilberforce. Mm-hmm. When he was fighting slavery, of course he wanted it banned outright. Yeah, At the very beginning. But he he and, and others, the Clapham Group and others, mm-hmm. they realized that you know the UK just wasn't ready for it. Yep. And you know what? They were just too reliant on slavery. The economy was just too reliant mm-hmm. on slavery yep. for it to be overturned. So what they did is they chipped away at it. So mm-hmm. first they, they went after the slave trade. Big battle. Took a long time. They But they got it passed. They banned the slave trade. Yeah. And then it took another, I don't know, 40 years, was it?
0: That sounds about right. It was, it was really close to the end of his life. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know the time gap there. Took a long yeah. time, but yeah. it took a long
1: time from ending the slave trade yep. to then ending slavery, slavery. banning yeah. slavery. Yeah. And, and I really believe God uses that process. Yep. It's during that time frame when hmm. actually we as Christians and William, Forrest, William, William, William Wilberforce was of course a very strong evangelical yeah. and felt called by God to take on that battle. Yeah. Um that it really uh, challenged Evangelicals and Christians to live out their faith mm-hmm. on these controversial issues of the yep, day, yep. and uh, uh, and and like re- it was incumbent on them, required to them to not just believe these things, but to act on them, yeah. to do it, and to share with others to get them on your side, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that they could become advocates as well and fight for innocent life. So I feel like that's what's happened with us from the time of Roe, from the time of Casey to now the time of Dobbs. Yeah. I feel like this is like a, a marker in our in American history. The wow. Dobbs case will be a marker. Um, and it and it, it couldn't have happened, I believe, uh, without the whole process that's come up to this point yep. where more evangelicals and Christians have gotten engaged in the political process because we've realized that we can't just live isolated lives right. within the four walls of our church. Yep. Because the decisions that our politicians are making, that the courts are making impact even our ability, whether we can live freely as Christians. So I mentioned about uh, me getting, being involved in the sit-ins. I was trying to rescue innocent life. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's what our law enforcement is tasked with doing, right? Right. They protect life and property. And yet I was being thrown in jail for trying to protect innocent life. Mm -hmm. And so when our government, whether it's the court or the legislators, make Really bad decisions, yeah. wrong decisions. It will end up impacting our uh, us and our ability to live out our faith.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's incredibly true. So that's that's a, that's actually a beautiful recap, and I, way better than I could have done. You took us through about thirty, over thirty years, almost 50, fifty years. years yeah, yeah, fifty years, fifty <laughs> years of. Uh, whatever you want to call it, abortion or pro-life history, depending on, you know, which side you're on. Um, So that brings us to Dobbs. And before we dive into Dobbs, I want to just really quick Touch back on something you just said related to William Wilberforce, which was really fascinating because in the pro-life movement, as you're well aware, there's uh, people who are kind of celebrating any win that, that we can get. And then there's people who you might say take a more hardline approach where it's like they're going to say, no, I'm not interested in any bill until it's all the abortions gone yeah. at once. And you actually just articulated that really beautifully where it's like y- you it seemed like you think there's a, a specialness about that in between time, like 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 a, like a time for Christians to step up and I don't know if you'd call it do like the PR education or like well just, yeah. just whatever you would call it to say no this this these things because we use a a civic political process versus going and having wars with each other like we did in ancient times, that's kind of required in some ways, isn't it?
1: It really isn't. Now, I I was only touching on the legislative aspect of it, but there's the whole social aspect of it because in the last 50 years, another thing that the pro-life community and Christians have stepped up to do is providing the help that yeah. women need yeah. so that they can make the right decision. Yep. So the whole pregnancy resource movement and far beyond that. There's just so much help now available for women that frankly the church was not doing in mm-hmm. 1973 when Roe versus Wade was passed. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it's it really is like sanctification. Uh-huh. Sanctification we were sanctified before Christ, but it's also a process, yep. a process of character formation and and um, Uh, building our faith and depending on God. This has been a process, kind of a sanctification process for the church Mm -hmm. to be living out the biblical commands of rescue those unjustly sentenced to death and don't stand back as they're being led to the slaughter, care for the widows and orphans. I mean, uh, women who've been abandoned by their boyfriends and their husbands, it's like being a widow. And um, so really it's been a process for the church to live up to our calling.
0: That's incredible. That's and, and it sounds like depending on how this goes, we may have more and more opportunity and calling to 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 keep working that out. Um, so, and you, I think you kind of, I think you kind of gave a bit of an answer to this in, in wh- everything you just said. But can you talk maybe a minute why this case is happening now? Like, like why didn't Mississippi? Because I, mean, I I follow these things and I don't recall you know in the last. Decade Mississippi passing a 15-week abortion ban, uh, uh, which they they may have very well had the the legislative votes to do at various times. They're a pretty conservative state. Yeah. So why didn't why is it now?
1: I think there's a couple of reasons. Okay. One is this trial and error trying yep. out different forms of legislation. There's the um, heartbeat bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really. Um, I feel privileged to be able to say, and honored to be able to say, that I actually testified at the first time that the heartbeat bill was introduced, and oh, that was man. in Ohio. Uh, and um, so there's that. There's kind of the trial and error, but it's also because we have the judges on the court
0: yeah. who yeah.
1: have a commitment to the Constitution. You remember, yep. I mentioned about Roe v. Wade was it's an unconstitutional decision. Yep. So if you're just looking, let's take the controversy of abortion out of it. Mm-hmm. If you're just purely looking at the Constitution. The um, the court had no basis for mm-hmm. making a decision yep. on that because that's a it fits in the family issues estate. Yeah. So we now have judges who. Um, over the, uh, there's been an effort in the legal community over the last 50 years, yep. m- really more like the last 30 years, of raising up lawyers mm-hmm. who are uh, well grounded in the Constitution. I mean, there, there was a time, and maybe it's still true, there are a lot of lawyers who said that they made it all the way through law school and was never once required to read the Constitution.
0: Ish. <laughs> it's not what you love to hear. <laughs> Don't love to hear uh, it.
1: So now we've got these great organizations like the Federalist Society and um, and others that have been um, really well grounding and, and building community mm-hmm. among lawyers yeah. uh, to encourage one another to good deeds yeah. of um, upholding the Constitution. So why now? One is we we now have the, the um, I think we have the social underpinning to be able to do it. We've had great education about the uh, uh, humanity of the unborn child yep. through ultrasound and uh, and now we have, uh, we have judges on the court yeah. and I, and I don't say that from a political sense. Right. Of course, it's a political process that puts the judges on the court, Of course, but it's, we now have judges that, uh, will be true to the constitution.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And, and that's, uh. As we talk now, kind of about where the case currently stands and in, in in some of what happened on Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry. I will yeah. say real quick, please, because
1: you did ask why is this case happening now. And when yeah. I first heard the question, my thought was because we fought. Mm. We didn't just wow. give in. Yeah, we could have all just sat back after Roe v. Wade. Oh, nothing we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But we fought, and people trying out new creative ways of addressing and and what are the real needs of the women and the babies. Yeah. And it really oh, it was. Um, I, I, all part of that process
0: that's powerful that's powerful and that that makes me think to just the people the crowds that show up year after year things like the march for life yeah. and things where it's like where it's like yeah there, there's a uh there's been a push and 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 you've been a, a huge part of that and and gen jay and many of the people listening have have mm-hmm. also been in their own way and that's that's really inspiring. Um, okay, so now the case went to the Supreme Court on Wednesday. They heard the uh, first round of, of oral arguments, and basically, the the uh, the Solicitor General from Mississippi got to come up and make Mississippi's case, which was for in this case. Uh, it's not. It, it's not so much that you know Mississippi is some en- pro life entity. It's just this is the law they passed, and yeah. so they're defending their law. They're yeah. saying they're saying we passed the, this law, and and we believe that it you know it, it, it was a pro life law. It it, it uh, limited abortion. Uh, it, it banned all abortions after fifteen weeks. Yeah. Um, I think there might if, be exceptions. Yeah, not, yeah, you're right. There are exceptions. I think it's the classic uh, rape, incest, life for the mother uh, exceptions, um, and. The and then of course the the um, the state the 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 op, the opposition is saying no this is the women have a constitutional right to abortion and that's because of th- rulings like Planned Parenthood v Casey and Roe v Wade um, so they made their arguments and where does the case stand right now like like where what. Yeah. Juncture are we at? Um,
1: actually, I think one thing that's really interesting, because I never hear anybody uh, mention this, and I think it may have actually been one of the uh, questions that was posed to the court, but they didn't uh, address it. And that is, those that oppose the law yeah. are not actually women seeking abortions. Hmm. It's abortionists.
0: Re- oh, yeah.
1: And that has been true since the time of Roe.
0: Even in the case title, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's the abortionists who want their business model to continue. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> really
0: true. That's actually really true. Um, wow.
1: So where it stands now, uh, the court has uh, lots of really good information that's presented to yep. them. And um, I found the arguments super interesting. They went long. It was two hours. Normally mm-hmm. a case is, uh, is argued for one hour, and uh, but it did allow for a, a good full um, – a set of uh, positions to be presented, yep. and I would even encourage uh, listeners, you, even though you may not have an understanding of the law and all, listen to it because it's really you really see the personalities and the interests of the Supreme Court justices come mm-hmm. forth. Each one, uh, very distinct interests, and you can even see how it came out of their own backgrounds yep. um, uh, of the of the um, questions that they asked and the uh, the positions that they have. So. Um, I know one of the things that you were interested in, in uh, about is the what were, what was on the best arguments on the pro-abortion yeah, side Yeah. And I they took more of a, a legal argument. They said that Roe versus Wade and Casey are precedents, mm-hmm. meaning they've been decided.. Yep. And so we have to do what yep. the court has said in the past. We have to follow this the status quo of yep. what they've said. Um, and they also, uh, argued that the credibility of the court is at stake, mm-hmm. that if the court, the Supreme court were to admit it was wrong, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, the yeah. credibility is at stake. We can't <laughs> admit we were wrong. Right. And I mean, as a Christian,
0: <laughs> right. I
1: find that argument a- astounding right? because, uh, we believe in repentance right. and right. if you're doing the wrong thing. And you're just gonna dig in and keep doing that wrong thing just because you I mean, that's the worst decision you can make. Right.
0: And your and your main reason to not alter course is because then we would have to admit we were wrong. That's (laughs) like in in what other context of life does that serve you well? We just realized we have a massive problem. Let's keep doing it. Cause, you know, so th- that's uh, that's really interesting. And, and then,
1: then they also had a, um, a more of a, like a social argument, and that is that women are reliant mm-hmm. on abortion now. Women have structured their lives right. and careers around the availability. They
0: were kind of – yeah, they were kind of saying it was like a uh, – this is what – to be a woman in America today, this is like a part of your mentality that you know yeah. that this is – it's kind of like a right you have – it, it's a, it sets you up for life, like, yeah. which I found, I don't know. I'd be curious cause you know, uh, clearly I'm not a woman, but I found that to be rather insulting where I'm yeah. like, do you think that the reason there's awesome women out here doing awesome things is because of your bad court ruling on abortion? Like, like, like <laughs> I know so many amazing women in my life, pro-life women who have crushed it. They're, they're, they're out there doing incredible things and that's not because of Roe v. Wade. The- and think about who
1: one of the people they're making that argument to is. Amy Coney Barrett.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: The mother of seven children. Yeah. Who they're still at home. Yeah. She's, she's still raising That's them. true. Um, the two of them adopted. Yep. And here she is sitting on this U.S. Supreme Court. Yep, and, and to be arguing to her that she could not have accomplished, or that she could have accomplished more in life, right, if right. she had not had, had an yeah. abortion.
0: Yeah, no, it's it. That's just that it seems ludicrous. But that that you're you're very right that that was one of their key, their key arguments. And what do you think um, in the in the in the court of public opinion, which thankfully is not in some in some ways. America has gotten more pro-life uh, yeah. in, in many in many key indicators. Yes. There's still there's still certain polls that you can kind of skew a certain way to say that. The, the, basically, what I've heard is that a lot of American, uh, a majority of Americans in a poll will say they support Roe v. Wade. But then when you pin them on what that equals yeah. and what that means, yeah. everybody leaves and they're like, "Oh, oh no!" Kind of like you were saying with the partial birth abortion. It's yeah. like, "Oh, I don't want part of that." They're like they, they've kind of bought this idea though. It sounds like that in in segments of society it is kind of an accepted thing that like well it should be it it should be available kind of like kind of like the 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 pro-abortion side and on wednesday was saying which is the people have have this is a reality of life that people know as an option what do we say to that like you know i think there's just like you were saying with with amy coney barrett and there there's key examples of why that's insulting and messed up yeah but what do you say, to the person who's like, well, well what about the hypothetical where somebody's, you know, going to be their whole trajectory is going to be thrown off or something? Yeah.
1: So even though we were kind of uh, uh, mocking the, yeah. the uh, that argument, there there is something to it. Yeah. Uh, that um, that uh, many women feel like they cannot accomplish all that they want to in life if they do not have abortion available. Yep. That they would be burdened by a child, and that uh, the argument that the um pro-abortion lawyers were saying is that it's not only that uh, oh, that the pregnancy is a burden on women, mm-hmm. it, uh, a physical burden on her. Yeah. but then there's a, the second aspect of that that parenting, Mm-hmm. It can, is a burden as right, well, right? Right. And um, so the uh, that is something that as pro-lifers we we address. We mm-hmm. we need to address, and we do address. Yeah. And that is that. Yes, pregnancy does impact a woman. Changes yep. her from a woman to a mother. Yep. And uh, and it does have a lifelong impact. Yep. Whether that child lives or dies, whether it's from miscarriage or abortion, yeah. that child will impact that woman. Uh, for the rest of her life. And so you can't just erase that. Mm -hmm. So I I think that we as pro-lifers do need to recognize this argument of, of reliance that women in society now um, base the, uh, their decisions on Mm -hmm. the availability of abortion. But address it head on. Yeah. Okay. So yes, that there may be some, not maybe. There are there are aspects of pregnancy and yeah. of parenting yeah. that do change the entire trajectory of your life. Of Absolutely. Sure. How can we help you?
0: Yeah. How can yeah. we help you so
1: that um, so that you can make a decision that is going to be uh, really life affirming for both yeah. you and your child? Yeah.
0: That's 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 a beautiful answer. Um, all right, so a couple a couple other questions, kind of regarding the the arguments you saw on Wednesday. Um, well, I, we also have to we have to be be equal here and throw it back to the pro life side. What do you think their best argument was? Oh uh, like, yes, because uh, I, I if I'm correct, you you heard the arguments, yeah. and you know. The, what do you, what do you think their strongest moments were in making their case yeah
1: two of them and I, and I, and I, both of the, I, having both these arguments was really smart because i feel like they were addressing the supreme court justices and their their concerns mm-hmm. one is that Uh, The Constitution is neutral on abortion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mention abortion. It doesn't address abortion. And there were several uh, several justices that tried to nail down the pro-abortion lawyers on where in the Constitution. Right. And uh, they kept saying, well, the 14th Amendment. But where in the 14th Amendment? Mm -hmm. And then they just – they said liberty. Well, Mm liberty is not mentioned. (laughs) Right, So the Constitution is neutral. Uh, And the second argument that I just was, was really so pleased about is they brought the baby into the argument. Yeah. They talked about the baby, yep. the, the unborn children and the right of the baby, because the other side will not yep. recognize right. that there are two people involved right. in this decision. Yep. Yes, the woman is involved and we need to care for her, yep. but there's also a baby that yeah. we need to be um, caring for and who has liberty rights and right to yeah. life as well.
0: And what's what's fascinating, and this is what we've seen even with some like, the of personhood, the personhood legislation and stuff that, that has been proposed in different states— um, the minute you and, and we saw this in the arguments uh, after they they use that, which which I agree, I thought was was a, a beautiful strategy. But the minute you, the the pro abortion side of the the equation seeds the idea that the baby is a person, yeah, and then and then you're just in a discussion of okay, well, how do we balance the interests of two persons and how do we respect the constitutional rights of two persons? That kind of Destroys the whole argument for abortion where, where it's like, where it's like, okay, so, so then you need to make the case that, okay, so why, why does one of these parties deserve to die? Yeah. You, you know, that, and that's, and that's, it's far easier to say this is not a person because if this is not a person and it's a, a blob of tissue or some of these classic arguments we've heard, then you, the, you don't find yourself in as much of a quandary if you can, if you can get yourself to believe that. But the minute it's a person, which is what Mississippi came in talking, like they, <laughs> yeah. they, they were kind of like, let's not even argue about that, that. We've got two people here, and then of course the other side, and some of the justices, Justice Sotomayor and and Justice Kagan. I saw that ju- I thought listening to it, the Justice Sotomayor had the more like visceral, like, mm-hmm. like like she wanted to reject that whole line of of mm-hmm. argument, uh, kind of regarding the the personhood of the yeah. the baby. And she was trying to say, science doesn't back this up. and, and stuff that I was like, these sound like really 19, 1970s or yeah. 1991 arguments that's like, no, even you know, even scientists who may be fine with abortion, if you're talking about life like, like, like we now know that it's like it is life it's a different genetic structure it's you know this this is mm. a a a second member of the human race mm. inside the mother yeah and it sounded like some of the justices were still trying to do this whole oh it's her body it's her you know yeah. and that was really interesting what like like that leads me to kind of one of my other questions which is did you it, to me it sounded like there was a lot of talking for a supreme court oral argument from the bench. Yes. Did it strike you that way too? It did.
1: In fact, two of them seemed to be almost filibustering. That was Sotomayor and Breyer. They, yeah. <laughs> I was getting a little frustrated with them oh because my I wish it, <laughs> it seemed more like a platform for them. Than, right. Um, but yeah, so I, I mentioned regarding the 15 week and y 15? And one of the things that the Mississippi Solicitor General brought out is the, that the unborn child feels pain mm. and that's what Sotomayor was rejecting. Oh,
0: you're, you're very right thank you for bringing that up
1: she right out of the box was saying oh well even people who are brain dead can uh, have reflexes uh, as if they're not persons. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but totally rejecting it. And one of the things that Ronald Reagan has said was, if you were walking in the forest and came across a body lying on the ground, you wouldn't just dig a grave and throw the body in. You mm-hmm. would check to find out, is the body alive? Mm-hmm. So you err on the side yeah. that this uh, m- is a, a living that is yep. still living this child yep. is living and that, and that this child is living, but Sotomayor totally she wants to err on the side of um that this cannot be a human being yeah. or uh, a, whether it feels pain or not doesn't matter yeah. uh, the woman's right trumps that you know one of the um Oh, and I do want to mention the solicitor general as well. In his, he came right out of the box in his opening when he started right off. He he said that Roe versus Wade poisoned mm. the um, the court itself. Yeah. Uh, he was addressing that issue of the credibility of the court. Yep. So for those Supreme Court justices that are saying that we can't overturn a precedent because our credibility is at stake, right. What the solicitor general of Mississippi said is. The court's reputation is already poisoned because of Roe.
0: That's – you're right. And that was – that's very – I think that's – one, it's true. Two, brilliant. because Because we've got some of the justices on the court who even if – and of course justices, thankfully, are not candidates. So they don't get out there and just give a whole platform because they're ideally not supposed to be legislating from the bench and advancing Mm -hmm. their agendas. However – We've seen this become more and more of an issue, and there's a, plenty of justices on the court right now who who seem in their decisions to respect life at least to an extent. Um, but then we have certain of them, even a, one or two that might tend to lean towards the more conservative interpretation of the the interpretation of the Constitution, who are strong institutionalists, and they're mm-hmm. the ones who I think it's most most that you know the, the other side saying that you're gonna you're gonna damage the the trust in the institution, you're gonna damage your reputation you don't want to look bad hmm. that uh, they're a little bit accessible to that argument. And that's a brilliant tact to say, no offense, you already look really bad <laughs> and this is actually going to correct. This is not the yeah. error. This is the error correction. This is the solution to the error. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's actually, I, I appreciate you drawing that out. Cause that's, I think a really good response because people are trying to say, uh, of course the, the, the what you might call a potential conservative majority on this, mm. we can't we can't bypass the fact that we had an astounding number of justices change out during the Trump administration, mm. and of course each one of those got quite the haranguing process yeah. as they were confirmed, and um, and you know we we had we had Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, yeah, and and. I think that on that on on the left right now there's also still a, a huge amount of hatred or animus towards them just because of the president they were appointed underneath mm-hmm. and and you we know that our audience has varied varying thoughts on president Trump and the Trump legacy but it's undeniable that these three justices are part of the Trump legacy and to be honest i don't think we would be here with the chance we have with dobbs yeah. if if a different president had been in power appointing those 3 well at least say had had the other pres the other candidate in 2016 been in power yeah. hillary clinton I don't think the court would look the way it does. Oh my today. gosh,
1: no! <laughs> It'd be radically different, and in fact, this case would not be the case that it is right. because when it originally came to the Supreme Court, they were addressing the issue of the 15-week ban and yep. just that. Uh, but um, in the in the course of time, from the from when it was first petitioned to the Supreme Court, they uh, they, the, um, they 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 kind of dug in stronger on yep. um, the original argument and went straight after Roe. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it's because they they now have Supreme Court justices that understand the significance of the Constitution. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. All right, well, I this conversation has already gone super well. I feel like there's so much more we could talk there's about. Tons but, more. But I know that we we also don't have all the time in the world. So let me see if I can kind of narrow down to some of the some of our <laughs> our closing arguments. <laughs> um, let's see let's do some quick questions you can just throw out whatever comes to mind when you're one of the challenges with a case like this is figuring out where to go for information. Mm -hmm. Uh, News is news, media, social media. Where do we go there? You know, that's a whole nother discussion is how do you get information? You know, but for you, when you're wanting to stay either up to date or have thoughtful analysis on, on a situation like this, other than the kind you so willingly provide yourself, which is, Great analysis. You're one of the people, to be honest, all oh, honestly, not flattery. You're one of the people I want to hear from <laughs> in situations like this. But where do you go?
1: Uh, well, there are a number of places, but I'll just stick to one. I yeah. really like John Stone Street okay. with Breakpoint. Okay, Um cool. I get his daily um, uh, emails. Okay. And uh, I find that really helpful. Ed Whalen, he used to clerk for uh, Justice Scalia, oh, wow. headed up the Ethics and Public Policy um, organization. And uh, I like his – I like to. I go to him for legal and out, what the court is doing. Sure. Yeah. So That's there are great. a number of – uh, Randy, um, uh, for pro-life arguments, mm-hmm. uh, Randy Alcorn has the classic. He wrote a book many, many years ago called Pro-Life Arguments to Pro-Choice oh, – I'm sorry, Pro-Life – yeah, Pro-Life Arguments to Pro-Choice – Pro-life answers to pro-choice pro arguments.
0: Okay, I like that.
1: Yeah. So that's really the go-to to go just because it's the same arguments on the side of abortion mm-hmm. that have been around, around for decades. For, yeah. And yeah. so it, the um, that's – and then Scott Klusendorf does some re- really good work okay. on uh, – because he he he's willing to do the debates mm-hmm. on college campuses mm-hmm. and tackle head-on. So I find them to be really helpful.
0: That's amazing. Um, let's see couple of other th- – yeah, and, th- and that actually – you already answered one of my other questions, which is uh, resources for people to build up their own arguments, and that mm-hmm. that book sounds like an amazing one to check out. Um, as we kind of look forward, and, and we're going to – if I'm correct, what they're doing right now in the court is they kind of have a, a behind-closed-doors – Ca- not casual, but informal uh, decision. And yeah. they kind of see where they're all leaning and falling and then they assign a majority opinion to be written and a minority opinion to be written. Yeah. Then time goes by, they come back together and kind of have their official ruling and then assuming that hasn't changed, which it could change, they publish their their ruling. And yeah. is that... It, do you do you happen to know what type of a time frame that, that typically takes? Like, what are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, and uh, it's, it's kind of interesting that as we're recording this right now, the justices are meeting.
0: Oh, and you're right. That's actually, we should mention <laughs> that. We throw up a
1: quick prayer to the yeah, Lord. Holy right. Spirit, please work inside that room right Amen. now. Amen. Um, and in their hearts of those justices. Uh, and so usually what will happen is very controversial cases like this that yep. are argued during the Supreme Court term. They wait until the very last day of mm-hmm. the Supreme Court term to release the decision. Mm-hmm. So that It'll probably be mid to late June.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that, that will be, we'll have quite, quite the, uh, the waiting period to, <laughs> to, to see, to see what will happen. Um, that's, that's great. We will, we will stay tuned. We will bring, we'll try, we'll do our best to bring you podcast listeners any updates as they come out. Um, if you were going to predict it, and this is always, you know, risky, we're not going to hold you to mm-hmm. it. We're not going to, we're not, gonna, <laughs> you know, th- this is just analysis. What do you think is the most likely outcome? Because the other thing I guess we should talk about is there's multiple paths that yeah. could be taken. They they could they could strike it down, uh, which I, the coverage I've been seeing, most people don't think that they are just going to say, we reaffirm Roe, we reaffirm Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and Mississippi, that's a horrible law, you can't have it. Yeah. So most people seem to think that's not the direction they're leaning, but they could do that. They could just say, get out of here, Mississippi, we, <laughs> we don't have time for you, which would be really sad and 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 most people don't seem to think that's happening. No. They could also uphold the law mm-hmm. for for just kind of multitude of reasons and say nothing else changes but the law remains. Mm. And then they could also just do a, a a rather sweeping change to say, yeah, this law stands and by the way, we're overturning Roe, we're overturning yeah. Casey or some combination of that.
1: There's uh, another middle ground. Okay. And that's where a couple of the justices seem to be looking for. Mm-hmm. And that is coming up with a different dividing line than viability.
0: Right. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, as I mentioned before, uh, for the Roe versus Wade did the trimester system, the state has an interest or doesn't have an interest yep. during, depending on the trimester. Uh, then that changed in Casey to the dividing line was. Um, before viability, what before the child can live outside the womb, that the government has no interest whatsoever. Then the government, state government or federal government, could have restrictions or regulations after the child is viable. Well, um, several of the justices asked. Um, the pro-abortion attorneys, about what about something other than viability? Yeah. What other kind of dividing line or marker could there be? So there are a couple of justices that seem to be looking for middle-of-the-road uh, response. Uh, um, but I didn't find that either side was willing to give a, a different yeah, – w- It was either it's either overturned row yeah. or um, a pulled row.
0: So – in the pro-life just dialogue, is there a di- or either side's dialogue? Is there a has there been a different standard proposed? L- like, like are the judges just going to have to create one out of thin air if yeah. they go that that route?
1: They would have to. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't read I didn't read all the briefs that were sure. uh, yeah. uh, that were submitted to the Supreme Court, so it's possible that maybe someone did, but I'm not aware yeah. of any. Um, now, as far as how they they'll rule, rule Sotomayor. Briar Kagan. We know how they're they're yeah. gonna roll. They're gonna pull yeah. Roe and Casey. There's just no question about that. Yeah. Now what but where it gets more interesting and mm-hmm. really interesting yeah. is delve into these other justices. Yes. I just love that Amy Coney Barrett, her questions were yeah. about parenting yes i mean what perfect person and you know there's something that's been lacking on the supreme court our justices who talk about really day-to-day life issues like here this mother of seven brings up so she brought up about the safe haven laws and and that that relieves the woman of the burden of parenting uh, that the child can be adopted or um provisions can be made for someone else to care and raise and parent the child um uh uh, Roberts and uh, John Roberts, Gorsuch, they seem to be, they were asking questions that seem to be looking for an alternative to viability. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did, I didn't hear any answers given to them, so yeah. maybe they will devise or create something, I don't know. Um, Justice Kavanaugh, he seemed to really focus on that the court has overturned precedents before. Yes. That has been a practice of the Supreme Court. So yep. that wouldn't be anything new. He also did ask the pro-abortion uh, uh, lawyers about this, this um, uh, issue of women are relying on abortion. He tried mm-hmm. to nail them down a bit on that. Like mm-hmm. How? How, you know, because really what you and I talked about, okay, if women are relying and society is is relying on this so-called right to abortion, then what can we do to relieve that so that an unborn child doesn't have to be killed? Right. Um, So, uh, but then. Okay. Clarence Thomas.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, I love Clarence Thomas. (laughs) Clarence Thomas fan club right here. Yes, yes,
1: yes. He kept asking. Yeah. He asked a couple of times. And he brought up something really interesting that nobody else seemed to bring up. And that was the court has actually dealt with the issue previously of criminal child neglect. Hmm. When a pregnant woman uses cocaine,
0: Hmm. it
1: causes damage to an unborn child. Right. You know, that's also would be true of alcohol, alcohol fetal syndrome. You know, the unborn child pays Yeah, for that. And and could even lose their life. And so the court has dealt with that post viability Mm -hmm. under the under under the rubric, not of abortion, but the rubric of criminal child neglect. And so he asked the pro abortion uh, uh, lawyers. Doesn't that apply here? Like, what what do you have to say about that? Should the court be able to address these issues of criminal child neglect Mm -hmm. for an unborn child or not? And they dodged it. The answer. But um, uh, what I found, one thing I find so incredibly significant to this, then, and that it was Clarence Thomas that Mm -hmm. was asking it, is because in fact it may have been him that brought up that in the United States we don't have a caste system. Mm. Okay, so a caste system. You want to explain what a caste system is?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like we have I, the the first example that comes to my mind is like India because right. that was one of the most historic examples of it, where you basically have literal classes of people. That it's not just an economic class. It's not just oh you're rich today and you're poor today. It's like you and all of your family and all of your relatives, and it, it's it's kind of like we we have a lot of talk about systemic racism. And this is like systemic, uh, permanent classism. Where it's like it does. There, there's. It's not about opportunity. It's not about. It's not about your inherent traits. They're just saying you are part of the, the uh, this strata that will always be done on this cast, and yeah. you can't marry between the castes. You, there There's different legal protections for different casts. It's it's incredible discrimination, and uh, yeah, we we don't have that here, <laughs> or at least we shouldn't.
1: So this was tied in, I believe it was. Um uh, one of the cases that was overturned, Plessy, the Plessy mm-hmm. case, which created um, the separate but equal standard mm. in the United States. So this is post-Civil War. Yep. So now black people, African-Americans, right. have uh, they're, they're, they have rights, they're citizens, right. human beings. But what Plessy said is that, oh, okay, states, if you want to have these, this two-tier system— yep. Separate, but oh you're equal, but we're gonna keep you separate. Right. So that's where you have the um Jim Crow laws yep. and but what it ended up being was yeah. systemic discrimination and racism. Yeah. It truly was. Yeah. And so then Brown versus Board of Education was the Supreme Court case that overturned Plessy. Yep. And so the separate but equal standard is basically a caste stand standard. Yep. Okay, let's now apply that to abortion. Hmm. That basically Abortion has created a caste system that, in every other realm of the law, criminal child neglect, inheritance rights, an unborn Mm -hmm. child can inherit.
0: I didn't know that. Yes. I, oh, that's crazy. I mean, it makes it's good, but yeah. that's crazy. I never thought about that.
1: <laughs> so, unborn children do have rights, yeah, in the law, yeah, except when it comes to abortion, yeah. And then,
0: of course, even murder cases, like, like, yeah. like, like we 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 see that with with murder charges. It's like if a man, if a person kills a pregnant woman, there's often two two murder charges. That's
1: right. Yeah. But when it comes to abortion, those children have no rights. Yeah. They're separate and unequal.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah.
1: I never thought of this before until I'm pretty sure it was Clarence Thomas yeah. who brought it up. And what better person to bring it up? He grew up in Jim Crow South. Yeah. He experienced the caste system yep. and yep. true racism. Yep. Um, treated as 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 separate and different and even as an adult the way liberals have treated him yeah. has been horrendous. Yeah. He's experienced it and here he is basically bringing before the court the unborn child.
0: Yeah. He's
1: the one who's making them or causing them or reminding them mm-hmm. that it's not just about the woman it's about the child.
0: That's powerful. And and yeah. And, and yeah and 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 yeah, his story is 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 remarkable, and and I think he 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 refutes certain really popular narratives that he he makes people on the other side mad because he, he's he's a he's a incredible man. He's he had yeah. the difficult childhood, you know. He he experienced the racism. He's a black. Uh, he's 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 a, a black Supreme Court justice who generally. Is, seems quite conservative in his in his yes. his rulings and interpretations, and strongly pro
1: constitution. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and he's he you know he makes a, a great case. And the other thing is he's known for being kind of the silent justice. Yes, he never it's not never, rarely talks. And I think it was during the summer during the pandemic when when they did some Zoom. Uh, some Supreme Court over Zoom, uh, and he started asking more questions, yeah. and that made headlines because. And I remember reading the articles where they would be like, uh,
1: "Clarence Thomas yeah, spoke." He asked a question. He spoke, <laughs> and
0: he's he's very reserved. He kind of he, you know, and and he asked multiple questions. Uh, he
1: was the first one to ask yep, a question
0: yep that's right actually you're very right about that
1: first one to ask and he and that was not the the last time that he nope. that he uh, uh spoke up yeah it's and it was so yeah. powerful
0: and and that just to kind of uh, greatest hits of it his questions um as you already mentioned Amy Coney Barrett like like her whenever she speaks and I thought this in her hearings as well but whenever she speaks, And it's not just a vocal tone thing. It's like it's like just uh, she speaks with an authority of like depth of knowledge and the Constitution. I'm like whenever she speaks, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like like, it's it's reassuring to me. It's like Mm. I'm like you like like please stay there a long time. Please be there forever. (laughs) Like you know she she's an amazing justice to have. And I was talking with Jeremiah Lorig, who you definitely know, and he's our deputy director. And we both had this secret hope that wouldn't it be incredible if we got a majority decision that that upheld the 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 15 week ban and if amy coney barrett got to write it and Um, i don't know i don't know that that's you know i I don't know how that works on the supreme court i don't know if there's seniority because she certainly doesn't have seniority on the court because she's she's very very new but um that would be that would be pretty amazing (laughs) is if amy coney barrett got to write the decision in in you know especially if it were to like strike overturn row or something yes. like that. That would be truly remarkable. Okay. <laughs> so we can we can pray and hope and dream. Um because we're 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 talking gleefully about it and we're and we're we're you know we're kind of having our, our like dream outcomes, but that's real because we can, you know, just like you have to do with life, there's always tragedy in the world and you can have joy and tragedy at the same time.
1: Yeah.
0: The pro-life cause has had to really get used to that because all of us, if we believe in the 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 value and the rights of unborn life, we're we're living with with a, a true holocaust of of lives being ended, mm. millions, millions. I mm. in 2018, I think it was 61 million abortions estimated since 1973. Yeah. Um, this is heartbreaking and tragic, and that's been that's been what we've had to live with since since these things were were handed down and now we have we're on the verge of having one of the best shots we've had since mm-hmm. the 70s to have something better and um that's that's powerful and it's it's it does make like like I found myself like kind of gleefully like like giggling or laughing about it and and I'm like why like this is a very serious issue why am I doing it? and I'm like mm-hmm. it's pure like joy and excitement that I'm like we've been in this fight for a <laughs> long time yeah. people have been in this fight since well before I was born and I'm like it's never. It's not definitely not going to be the end of it because because oh, right. there's there, there's so much more, and we can even hit on that before we wrap up if we want. But like, it's it's real, and we we see a glimpse of you know we we've always had hope and faith in God's ultimate sovereignty. But I think there's always been question marks about how long mm. will we have to deal with things like Roe v. Wade as, as something that's enshrined in Supreme court precedent, you know? Mm. And that's, that's, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of rambling, but it's, I, the excitement is real to me. It's like, it's like we, our hope is not ever in one case, but this yeah. could be, you know, we always, we've always told the Gen J students and, and you guys listening, you'll know this. We've said, we believe that, that your generation can end abortion mm. and, and, that, that could could we might see the beginning of that with a big change at the Supreme Court level and then seeing how that works out. So so okay. I don't know
1: well, but the realistic side of that as well is and then the uh, new work begins. Exactly. because overturning Roe and Casey, what it does is throws it to all fifty states. Exactly. So we're going to have an on the ground battle yep. in all fifty states. Now there are a number of states that have trigger laws mm-hmm. in place where the legislatures have already stated that um, the day when when Roe versus Wade is overturned, that yep. immediately their state law will be a pro life yep. law it goes immediately into effect. Uh, but that'll get challenged too. Yeah. So of no one can sit back and no. and think that it's safe in their state. Um. To but but it's not going to be not only getting state. Legislation that will protect unborn children. We've got to have the the societal um, support for women and for their children, and that's going to take a lot of different. uh, uh, It's going to show up in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more than the pregnancy centers, resource centers. It's going to be helping throughout the lifetime. uh, because, as as was really kind of rightly brought out in the Supreme Court arguments, it is about pregnancy, whether yep. a woman uh, continue a pregnancy or not. Yep. It's also about parenting, mm-hmm. and so that's I really feel like um, Dobbs case. It's like we're on the we're on a freeway right now. The country's on a freeway. We're driving down that freeway. The Dobbs case is an exit ramp.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's not the end of the destination. Right. We're going to get off that exit ramp. We're going to turn right. We're going to turn left. You know, some states yep. will turn right. Some states will yep. turn left. Some states will do a U-turn.
0: <laughs> right. And right. Um,
1: some states might get back on that freeway yep. and he keep heading down that direction. Yep. So we're still going to be moving. Yeah. We're still going to be moving forward, but it's going to really be up to us yep. as to what direction we'll be moving.
0: And that's so true. And that, that um, in a sense, that's the the work increases, but the other cool thing about it, and I'm a you know, I got into politics on a very grassroots level. We do that with Gen J. We do grassroots advocacy. And that actually has always excited me to have the chance to do that. Because we still lobby every time we see a good pro-life law, mm. in, you know, in, or, or we, we at least have the the opportunity to in our state capitals and this kind of stuff. But we've always known in the shadow, the looming shadow of Roe v. Wade and, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey that, like... Th- until the supreme court decides otherwise those will always be instantly challenged anything that's basically a really good pro life law yeah. will instantly be challenged or blocked or you yeah. know something like that so if it was handed back down to the states with a favorable decision here in this case that would be that a lot of work but also give everybody a very clear mission because right now mm. I've even said in, and, and I don't, you know, this is a, a tension of being a Christian in politics because we believe in direct action. We also believe in prayer and the power of prayer, but I definitely feel sometimes hamstrung in, in situations like this. And and I'll be curious if you have any thoughts for me or advice for me, because I'm sitting here waiting for the Supreme court to meet mm. and right there, write Hopefully a good opinion. That, that I hopefully can be really excited about, but I can't lobby the Supreme court. <laughs> right. Like, Thankfully I, I believe in the court, not <laughs> right. being—you you know, we're, we don't, we don't elect them. We you know, I, I'm not advocating for them to be a legislature, but like I can pray and, and I, I believe in the power of prayer. And in a sense, situations like these make me double down on that. But it's like, I, I think I always feel most comfortable when it's like, I'm praying really hard and then I'm running out and like, <laughs> Running around doing stuff doing really something. hard too, you know. Yeah. And and I need to. I know, and I believe deep down in my heart that praying is doing something. Yeah. But but then there's all. But on a state level, if if it gets back down to the states, we've got okay, great. We got to go to attend this committee hearing and testify here and lobby this person here and tell them we're going to primary you if you vote the wrong way. <laughs> like you know, all the, all the kind of grassroots politics stuff that you do. Um. So what? What? How should we approach situations like this where it's like. Yeah, we should definitely pray. Is there something else we can do in addition to that? Or you know?
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, regarding prayer. Yeah. Um, one thing that I uh, have found myself praying more often yeah. is, "Lord, surprise me." <laughs> like, oh, I love that. Uh, because uh, it's like I, I I want to give God. Here's what I want you to do. Right. One, two, three, four. Right. These are the steps. But yep. then I'll stand back and go. Well, but actually, what I'd really <laughs> like for you to do something that I hadn't even imagined. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It'd be far better than something, well, anything I can come what up does with. does it say
0: exceedingly and abundantly beyond <laughs> yes. like our expectations our were? P- yeah, imagination. yeah.
1: Um, but then, as far as what else, I, I would say uh, being really practical. Yeah. Definitely, what we're going to work the legislation and political realm, yep. but also. You know, we need to address this issue of reliance mm-hmm. that women yeah. rely yeah. on, or men rely on, or families rely yep. on, whatever they, uh, uh, workplaces rely on. Right. Um, you know, one of the questions that was asked of, the, asked of the Supreme Court in the petition to the Supreme Court of this case that I don't, I didn't hear get addressed during the arguments was that Roe v.ersus Wade challenged the integrity of the medical profession and mm. society. So it not only poisoned the court's credibilities mm-hmm. – It's also kind of poisoned the medical community.
0: That's definitely true.
1: Because the options been given, just kill the patient.
0: Right, right.
1: And so there's just so many avenues that we as Christians um, can go down, Mm -hmm. working within the medical community to uphold the sanctity of life. Yep. working legislatively to yep. uphold because the end of life issues are huge right now. Very true. And even will become even more so uh, as medical costs, healthcare costs continue to increase. Yeah. And so um I guess I would ask I uh, just my recommendation for people is as we begin with prayer for the Supreme Court but also prayer lord what's my part to play? Hmm. What, yeah. what can I be doing? Yeah. And and be open to the lord giving you something just Maybe something brand new yeah. that we haven't yeah. thought of yet.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that, and even like a not everyone's going to be called or good at going down to, to their state capital. Yeah. Now, no. I'm I'm part of Generation <laughs> Joshua. I believe in everybody using their voice, but you might be super talented at meeting practical needs of like expectant mothers and and, and their families. And maybe that's where you're called. You you, know, one thing
1: that um, my pro-life group at my church that we've done, we've tried to take a holistic approach to – Uh, being pro-life. And so uh, young life groups, they now have young lives groups. So uh, reaching out to young people, but now they're reaching out to the young mothers. Oh, that's awesome. There's so many teen mothers, single teen mothers. And so once a month they have gatherings and uh, for the, for the young mothers. And so they need childcare. So this doesn't directly have to do with sure. abortion, but it's helping each other well, young mothers who've made the right decision. It,
0: yeah, and it's the, it's coming alongside and creating a, a system and structures that say, oh, you would never worry about child, like you would never get an abortion because of childcare because we mm-hmm. have all these resources for you. It's like mm-hmm. the more, you know, yes, we want legally, we want those, we want that to be taken more and more off the table as an option. Yeah. But then just that, that, the demand, it's like supply and demand. We, right. we, we, we want to both reduce the supply and reduce the demand. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's really important. So that's amazing. Um, okay. Wrapping up here. Uh, we talked at the beginning about how you've been involved in the pro-life movement for, for, for a, an amazing faith, length of faithfulness. Like, like, like you have been there when it's been getting thrown in jail. You've been there when it's been testifying for a heartbeat bill. Um, what are your feelings watching this case mm. as somebody who's who's been in the movement as such a up close, you know, participant for 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 quite a while?
1: I'm just so thankful to God. Mm. Oh my gosh, I was um, outside the Supreme Court while the arguments were occurring. Oh wow! And it, the um, significance of what was happening it I feel like it still hasn't fully. Dawned on me yeah. yet.
0: But still sinking in.
1: I'm so incredibly grateful for all the people that God has raised up through these years that we have these great Supreme Court justices, um, that we have these great lawyers who've been, yep. who were willing to take the Mississippi case yep. to be from about, oh, can we have, can we just try to stop abortion after 15 weeks when yeah. the baby can live to let's overturn the whole yeah. uh, structure of yeah. Roe versus Wade and Casey. Yeah. That, I mean, that was bold. Mm-hmm. And all of the petitions, virtually all of the petitions on the side of Mississippi were yep. taking that bold stand. Yep. So I was um, just incredibly grateful for uh, what God has been doing in so many people's lives mm. to raise up uh, people with strong convictions um, to, uh, to do what is right. And I just want more of it. Lord, give me yeah. more. <laughs> Amen.
0: Amen. That's incredible. Uh, all right. Um, well, thank you so much for for taking the time to do this. Um, I, like I said, you were one of the first people that I was like, I want to hear Wendy's take on on the oral arguments. And then maybe we'll do this. I don't know if you're willing. Maybe we'll do this again if it's June or whenever uh, when we actually have a decision because I'm sure there'll be stuff to analyze about that yeah. too. Um, but uh, but yeah, that this this has been great. I think. I think our audience listening will find it super helpful. Oh, so good. thank you. Is there anything before we close that you would like to leave our audience with? Any final thoughts, admonitions, whatever?
1: Mm, um, I would just encourage people. I, I, it's actually been really fun for me today to, okay, good. to talk oh, to you and glad. talk about this. I'm really it's, glad. It's, it's allowed me to look at back over the last however many, gosh, Forty years—I yeah. forget how long it's been yeah. that I've been involved—and to see how much God has done during that time. Yep. And so, what I want to encourage all the listeners is um, expect that for yourself as well. Mm. That uh, the next forty years that we will see even more wonderful things. That God will be doing things. And when I say wonderful things, I mean it's not only that you know about um, ending the abortion regime in the United States. But look at all the things that God has done in people's lives to bring us to this point. Yeah. And that's really what I've I've focused on. I remember when um, a horrible abortionist in Pennsylvania was discovered and just uh, the house of horrors it was called. Yep. It was so disgusting. And I was so distraught at that point when we discovered that this was happening in America yep. and people knew about it and did nothing about mm-hmm. it. And I, I just went to the Lord. Uh, that was a real low point for me where mm-hmm. I felt like we, we've worked this hard, and and this is what's happening.
0: That's yeah, and actually, I'll. It sounds like this is where you're going, but like, mm-hmm. there have been low points along the way, have yeah. there? Did did this ever? It, points like that or any other point, did that ever make you doubt if we'd ever get to a place like this Yeah, that
1: that was because Gosnell, um, the abortionist Gosnell, and that there were law enforcement, there were people in the medical community who knew what was going on but wouldn't do anything about it. Planned Parenthood knew how horrible this place Mm -hmm. was and yet continued to refer women there. Women were dying at this place. And and, um, so, yeah, that was a low point uh, because I thought even after all this work that we've done, that this could be happening. It, it, it didn't even matter what the laws were, yep. that the reality on the ground that yep. this was happening. Yep. And so the point where we're at now... Um, it's kind of a reinforcement. Actually, it's kind of good for me to be even re, re, re reminded of that low mm-hmm. point because it's a, It's also a reminder that even when and if Rose overturned, yep. you still got to have people who will enforce what's yep. right. Yep. Not only those who are doing what's right, helping the women and, yep. the, and the children, but those who will enforce the laws. Yep. So. Uh, going forward, gosh, there's still so much work for us mm-hmm. for to be done, and uh, and it it the work is really done by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. who's working in people's lives, but he also works through our words and our exactly. deeds, um, to raise up more people who will, because gosh, we could we could just sit back after this decision. Right and not do anything. Hey, just our job's done. Each other, yeah. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And you know what's going to happen? <laughs> the other side's going to be active.
0: Exactly. exactly. And So
1: since it'll get thrown back to all fifty states, then yep. all fifty states are going to pass laws that yep. are going to be bad, and and yep. there will be states that do pass laws yep. that are bad. Totally. So anyway, I guess I, I guess what I really want to kind of drive this back to is it's all part of a sanctification process mm-hmm. uh, that it's not just the issue of abortion. It's about uh, our own walk with the Lord and, um, how he perfects us during, um, as we are following him Yeah, and that it's not just us, that it's others as well. So that's how I think we really need to keep our eyes. Mm-hmm. Lord, what are you doing? How can I enter into the work that you're doing? Yep. And please change me and change others so that we can be more pleasing to you, Lord.
0: I love that. I think that's, I think that's a great place to wrap this. I think that's an incredible encouragement and and admonition. And thank you, Wendy, as always. It's been amazing. Thank you. Hey friends, if you enjoyed today's episode of the GenJ podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, most of the other major podcast sites and apps. If you really liked the show, go ahead and leave us a five star rating and a review, uh, hopefully a good review to help other people find it. Uh, This is really helpful when we're starting out with a new show to help people connect with the podcast who are already listening to similar podcasts. We would love to stay in touch with you so shoot us an email at info at generation or follow us at generation joshua on instagram and facebook we will be back soon with another episode